Today, um, what stood out to me when reading through this gospel was how they were in that room hiding in fear, how they were cowering, and I thought of our church, and I thought of how often it seems that we are um, not very gifted with going out into the world. We have been historically, and we are in certain places, in certain points, but in general, very often it seems that uh, we too often hide in that upper room. And I look at our families, and very often the families do the same, not knowing, like the disciples didn't know, what to do. Not knowing what to do, they remained in prayer, which is already really good because they could have abandoned everything. The disciples could have just said, whatever, and just walked away. Like our families could have, but we haven't. We've remained faithful. And I am challenged by that. How do we come out? How do we uh, reach out? Because according to the gospel, evangelization or reaching out to others and wanting to share the good news that's evangelization. It's good newsization. Is an essential element of the church. Meaning, if you're going to speak about the church, you will always have to find the aspect about evangelization. And I look inside of our families very often, not all, but very often, I look inside of our families wherever I've been in the West, in fact. And I find that we're very insular. Very much of either we're living as if we're not Catholic at all. You know? We only come on Sunday Mass. That's one option. And the other option is very insular in the sense that we are Catholic inside, but we don't let it shine. We don't show it. We're not out there proclaiming it. And I think it's very good to look at that directly because the apostles were doing the same. And why were they doing that? They were doing that, I can see it pretty clearly, because they were looking around outside and it was almost like an eeriness when they saw the world outside of that upper room. It was eerie because the whole world seemed to have moved on. To have just moved on after such an immense event of the death and resurrection. The world just seemed to be indifferent to it all. Even then, even in the week after, the world was indifferent for them and to them. And there were shocked by that, I'm sure. And that must have shook them up because the resurrection was the great victory. And they 
must have not understood what was going on. They must have not grasped how Jesus is going to bring about his kingdom now. Because the day after the resurrection, they still got to wake up in the morning. They still had trouble, I'm sure. Or maybe they woke up quickly themselves. But the world continued. Everyone went on milking their cows and bringing their ox out to the the pasture. And it's similar. When we walk out in the world, it seems like the world exists without God. It continues moving forward. And there were some, though, amongst the indifferent that were really out to get them. They were out to stamp out the beginnings of Christianity. For they saw it as a threat to what they were living. They saw Christianity as a threat to what they had previously lived. And so it goes as far as knowing fully well that something mysterious had happened at the tomb. Knowing fully well, paying the guards to be quiet, to shut up. And then searching actively to stamp out Christianity. And there were objectively people out to get it. And we still live in a time where not everyone, most people are indifferent. But where there are still quite a few out to get us. And if you look at the last hundred years, we can never forget that there are more martyrs in the last hundred years than there were numerically in the previous 2,000. More people died because they were Christian last century than all the others combined. It's easy because there were more murders. Well over 100 million people were killed. And so we still live in this time where there is a particular hunting And it makes sense, to a certain degree, if we say that we're called to live of something different. Yes, of a certain morality, yes. The moral aspect, we are still called to that. It hasn't changed, certainly. But also more than the moral. We say that we're called to live of His grace, of His life. And to put it into action... Of course there will be those naysayers that say, look, look how you've fallen to the ground. Look how you've done this wrong. And they'll want to parade that before us. But we never said that we were perfect. We said that Christianity exists for the sick. From the very beginning, we've always said that. And then there's that third reason why I think they're up in the room and they're not able to come out. And it's just because of those first two. Now they themselves begin to be fragile. They, in their own hearts, may begin to doubt. And it's interesting that facing those three things, the indifference of the world, the actual fact that there are people who will come out and speak out and hunt those first Christians to the point that they literally were hunted and had to go into hiding. And all that causing their own inner doubt. 
Jesus needed to come. He needed to come desperately. And he comes on this day of divine mercy. He comes, and how does he come? He comes and says, peace be with you. And he gives his Holy Spirit to them. He gives his Spirit. It's a Pentecost, quite literally in this Gospel. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is the gift of his mercy, his grace. And it's that Spirit that gives us the conviction. It's that Spirit that fills us with love. It's that Spirit that gives us the fire. And then, for the one who's still fragile, the one who still doubts, he says, come, come, and put your fingers in my wounds. Come and experience me. Come and touch me in faith. Come and believe, no longer doubting. Therefore, touch me in faith. And let your faith be assured. And that's the response. The response is not in some new technique to come out. We have to ask ourselves personally. We have to ask our families. We have to ask our church. When we go from micro to macro. We have to ask ourselves. Do we put our fingers in the side? Because if he is presenting it, we need to. For we too, like Thomas, doubt. We too, like Thomas, have a certain fragility, lacking trust in God. And so he says this beautiful prayer that we are to repeat. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. And it's because of that trust, because he has come and shown us his wounds, because he has given us his spirit that we fragilely, delicately walk outside of that ivory tower we put ourselves in. We delicately begin to take those baby steps to reach out to our brothers and maybe mention the fact that we are Christian. Maybe not be afraid anymore as a people. Because, not because we think that we're great, but because we need a doctor. Because, not because we think that we're the best, but because we think that He is, that God is alive, and He has loved us, and He has given us His mercy, and He is not afraid. And because He is not afraid, I trust. Because he is not afraid, I go out of my ivory tower. I reach out and I'm, I proclaim the gospel. Let us ask the Lord for that grace, the grace of renewal of our own hearts first on this Divine Mercy Sunday. The grace of renewal of our own families. And ultimately, the grace of renewal of this parish and of our church. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.